This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. There was a kid born in 1976 whose mother was a nurse and father was a police detective who worked on child sex abuse cases. He took an early interest in the music and the arts, and ironically, from the age of 7 to 13, he sadly began being sexually abused by an older friend, but he refused to tell anyone because he didn't want people to think that he was gay or lying. After his parents divorced at age 11, he began substance abuse with uh, things such as marijuana, alcohol, opium, cocaine, methamphetamine, and LSD. As he got older, eventually overcoming drug addiction, this boy, now man, skyrocketed to success as the singer of a band many of us know as Linkin Park. Chester Bennington became an icon. In fact, the song you just heard was a song that Chester and his band Linkin Park sang uh, just this last year in the month of May as a tribute to a friend of theirs who had taken his own life. Days after the memorial, uh, Bennington told a friend, this is what he said, he said, we have to stick together because we have so much to live for. Sadly, two months later, on the morning of July 20th, Chester Bennington hung himself with a belt in his own home. In his last interview, Bennington opened up about his own struggles with his inner demons, saying this, for me personally, when we first started working on this record, speaking of the last project that they would produce as a band, I was coming out of the darkest time of my life, and I came to a point in my life where it was like, I can either give up and die, or I can fight for what I want. And I chose to fight for what I wanted. And this is what he says that that he wanted. I wanted to have good relationships, and I wanted to love the people in my life. The story is sad and devastating as we hear it, but it's a picture of something that we see every single day in our society. Stories like Chester's, to me, are, are fascinating because you have a guy who, who was being sexually abused as a child, and yet his own father was a police officer who had investigated sex crimes as it pertains to children. It's not like he didn't have anybody to talk to. And this is kind of the nature of the society we live in. We've never been surrounded by more people, and yet at the same time lacked more genuine connection. Each and every one of us in this room today are going through our own struggle. For some of us, it's, it's battling these, these ideas, the, the haunting memories of abuse. For some of us, we just feel so hopeless. We're suicidal. I mean, suicide is, is, a, is a big issue that I don't think in our society we're paying enough attention to. Over a thousand kids on college campuses every year take their life. And teen suicide, teen suicide has, has, has gone up 80% since 2009. Uh, just this, this last week, I, I read a story about uh, a student in high school, 16 years old. 16 years old, never had gotten really in, in trouble, straight-A student. He makes this mistake, and, he, and what he does is he records a, a video of him and a classmate having sex. And if, if parents, people in this room, if you don't think that that's a real thing, that that's a, a real issue, then I'm telling you, you're living under a rock. This is, this is things that we're dealing with in our society every single day. This is not abnormal. This, this, this is the norm. He gets called into the principal's office. The principal says, hey, we have, you know, we've been hearing that this is true. Is this true? This student, 16 years old, says, yeah, you know, it's, it's true. I, I made a mistake. I, sh- I shouldn't have done that. And, 
And I'm really sorry. He leaves within three hours. Three hours later, that same student jumped off a five-story parking structure and took his life. We think in the society that we live in, how is it that we are surrounded by people and think that the only way out is to take our own life? Suicide is no way out. You may be here in this place and you're in that position. We have people in, in this very room in our environments in Madera and, and in Fresno. People that, that are struggling with eating disorders, that are haunted by their past, that are going through relational struggles as it pertains to their, to their marriage. They're, they're, they're haunted by, uh, by, 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 by memories of, of when they were raped when they were younger and they don't know how to process it, but nobody's talking about it. We're not engaging each other in conversation. We're surrounded by more people. We're surrounded by people through technology and yet we're, we're connecting less than we ever have. Why? I talked about this last week. Because in our society, to be independent is to be strong. And to need others is to be weak. I mean, how many of us were taught you just suck it up? You just just get through it. You be tough. I I was watching TV this last week, and there's this girl crying on, on television. She says, why am I crying? Crying is weakness. Since when do we buy into the fact that showing emotion is a sign of weakness? To be independent is is to not be strong. To be independent, to be self-sufficient, all I need is myself. It's to be extremely weak. I'm at my lowest point when I'm living life alone. And I I think that that if we're honest, this is just a part of the world that we live in. We're, We're desensitized because we see so much hurt and we see so much pain. I mean, this last week when you saw the 15 year old that went and shot up his school, Were you moved the same way that you were the first time that you heard about a school shooting? Or did you say things like, oh, wow, that's too bad. That's that's horrible. That's devastating. Or were you you moved on an emotional level? Or have we just seen so much of it when we see somebody that was murdered in our town or somebody was kidnapped? Wow, it's crazy. I can't can't believe that that's happening. Is it just another statistic? Is it just another something that's going on in the world around us? Or is is it not just my society's problem, but is it my problem? Because stories like Chester Bennington are not just far-removed stories that we'll one day read in a history book. These stories that we hear, these stories, they represent our families. They represent our neighbors. They represent our coworkers. They represent us. Because in this very room, there's people hurting and broken and wishing that they had a way to overcome the pain that they're facing. But if we're honest, most of the time, we just feel lost. We just feel alone. You never really know what someone is going through. I find it interesting, even in the interview that I, that I read, someone could voice out of their mouth, I know what I need. I know what I need to get past this situation. All I want is good relationships. I want to love the people around me. And yet on the inside, he was dying. We came together last week. We talked about this idea of how much we need each other as a society. If we want to see our prayers answered, if we want to see the situations that we're facing, if we want to overcome them, if we want racism to end, if we want hatred to end, if we want bigotry to end, that at some point we're going to have to acknowledge our need for one another. And the reason that we said this is because praying is great, looking to God is great, but you know the way that God answers prayers? God answers prayers through people. Through relationship, the way that God answers our prayers is through people. And if we want to see an end to the things, to the hurt, to the pain, the things that we're facing around us, we're going to have to find a way to come together. You know, what's interesting is, is science is now proving 
neurobiologists are, are proving that the one thing, they believe that the one thing, the meaning of life is how they put it. The meaning of life for us as human beings, the one thing that each and every one of us desire, you know what it is? They say it's connection. That we want to be connected. And, and what's, what's even more fascinating as it pertains to our faith, those of us who, are, who have faith in Christ, this is, this is the message of Christianity. This is, what, this is what the Bible has said all along. That in our lives, we, we need connection to God, but not just connection to God. We have to be connected to each other. If we're going to be able to overcome the situations that we face, what did we talk about last week? And we're going to have to do more. We're going to have to do more than pray. We're going to have to do more than turn to God. We're going to have to do more than have faith in Christ. We're going to have to come together. We're going to have to, to acknowledge the fact that despite our differences, despite the things that we face, despite, despite the things that separate us, we're going to have to come to terms that we, we need each other. Why? Why do we need each other? Because the way that God answers prayers is through people. The things that you're believing God for in your life, the pains that you're believing to be, to be uh, t- taken from, from the innermost parts of your hearts, the, the shame that we're experiencing in our society around us, that God, would, God would, will it ever end? Will the pain ever end? Will the tragedy ever end? You know how it ends? It ends with us. We oftentimes are the answers to our own prayers. And if we want to see change, If we want to be able to get past our inner demons that many of us have trouble discussing, we're going to have to take the risk, what it feels like as a risk, to come together. Last week we talked about this, this idea of creating space in our lives to make a difference in the world around us. Today I want to talk about something that sometimes is a little bit more difficult, and it's the idea of creating space in our lives for other people to make a difference in our life. Because sometimes it's easy to think, okay, I can, you know, I can set myself aside. Sometimes the people that are mo- the most selfless, that have the, 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 the hardest time allowing people bring help to them. The same way that we see change in the world around us is the same way that we see change within ourselves. We're going to have to be willing to do the thing that all of us, that science, that scripture continues to reinforce that we're desiring, and that's to connect. So last week we talked about two reasons, two things that keep us from using our lives to make a difference. Today, I want to talk about two reasons, uh, two reasons that, that we fail to, that we're afraid of creating space in our lives to allow people to make a difference in our lives, why we don't acknowledge our need for our fellow man, why we don't open up, why we don't have conversation. I mean, can you think about in your life, I think this is interesting, can you think about in your life the last time you asked somebody how they were doing and really meant it? Most of the time when we see each other, I mean, it's, it's become just like a, a social thing that we do. How, hey, how's it going? And we, in our mind, like, let's be honest, we're thinking, please, dear God, don't tell me how you're really doing, right? Like, I, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. I don't know how to respond to that. I, really, it's just become like, like a, a social thing that we do. How are you doing? Doing good. You're good to see you. And, and, and even in our response, I mean, how, can you remember the last time you were honest about how you were really doing? Parents with your kids, can you remember the last time that you just, hey, how was school today? You know, how things go? You doing good? You know, hey, you just want, just want you to know if you ever need to talk, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here for you. I mean, have you ever heard the last time your heart was actually moved with compassion to ask somebody, are you, are you okay? How are you doing? Is there anything that you want to talk about? If, if, you, if you really need something, I'm here. It's a difficult thing for us to do. And here's the first reason I think that this is really, really hard for us to do, especially when it comes to, to opening up to bearing our souls, to immersing ourselves into community, I think the first thing is we're afraid of being judged. Well, I don't judge. Yes, you do. 
This is a, this is a part of, of, of human society. Don't tell me when you, don't, when you find out how much money your friend makes that you don't judge them. Why? Because, because this is what we do. It's all about pecking order in our society, right? Are, are, you, are you above me? Are you below me? When I find out how much money you make, okay, you're, you're a little bit above me because I don't make as much money as that. Or don't tell me that when we hear stories about your friend that, that is going through a divorce because of an affair that you don't judge them. I don't, I don't, ju- don't tell me that you don't look at them through a different lens. You do. Why? Because you're human. Don't, you don't tell me that when you hear about the pains that other people are going through that you say, whoa, well, thank, thank God that I'm not going through that. At least I'm not that bad, right? This is part of what we do. And if you're in this place and if you're hurting and if you're broken and you have this fear of opening up because you have a fear of being judged, I think the thing that we have to realize about everyone who judges, which is really us and ourselves, the only way that we have the capacity to judge another human being is because we have blinded ourselves to our own faults. The only reason one human has the capacity to judge another human, to cast judgment that I'm better than you, or you're better than me, or you're here and I'm there, is that I have blinded myself to my own faults. And this is what we are experts at doing, aren't we? Numbing ourselves to our own pain Isn't this why it's easy to talk about everybody else's pain? Isn't this why we love pop culture and we love news headlines? Did you hear what's going on today? Did you hear what the president did today? Did you hear what's going on in this family that's that's in the spotlight today? We can talk about their problems and we can socialize about it and we can find entertainment in it. Why? Because it's so far removed from us that I don't feel the pain, even though it's a familiar situation. And and a lot of times, something that I may be going through in my life, I don't feel the pain because, because I've numbed myself to the pain of my own situation, so it's easier to talk about the pain of other people people's situations. This is this idea of judgment. You ever been in a situation where you can hear, where, where you can hear someone's like telling you something that they're going through and it's like, you could even be going through the same thing. You could even be going through the same thing and cast judgment on the other person. Why? Because we numb ourselves to our own pain. The other reason I think that we're afraid of being judged is I think because most of us are really, really critical of ourselves. And in the society of isolation where, where to be isolated and to be independent is to be strong, what we do is we end up seeing our weaknesses as something to be ashamed of. When I talk about the, the only way a person can judge is, is to, to is, is, is the only way a person can judge another person is to be blinded by their own, their own faults. Really, really what, what I'm getting at is we were never created to, to live this life in this pecking order. God created us that we would live life in community together and through our own weaknesses, grow stronger together. Our weaknesses, your weaknesses today are nothing to be ashamed of. The things that you're facing today, just because the person on the left or the right of you doesn't talk about them, doesn't mean that they don't have them. And this is the thing about being human is we all have secrets. We all have things in our heart that that we're afraid of. If I shared this with someone, would I be accepted? If I shared this with someone, would I be worthy of community? This is what scripture says about our weaknesses in 2 Corinthians. This is what God says. And I I just hope today, if, if you're someone who's struggling, this is really my desire that if you're someone that's struggling and going through pain, that you would leave this place knowing that it's not over, 
that you would leave this place knowing that there is still hope. And for all of us who maybe have resisted the point of community, that we would be willing to, to immerse ourselves in relationship with other people for nothing more. If you don't feel like you need it, to have compassion for our fellow man, to have compassion for the people around us that are hurting and dying and they're surrounded, but they don't have connection and they have no one that they can talk to and they don't feel like they can open up because they're afraid of being judged. I hope that you would leave here with hope. I hope that you would leave here encouraged. I hope that you would leave here understanding that we are all the same and we need each other. This is what God says about our weaknesses. He says, my grace is enough. God's grace in your life as it pertains to your weaknesses is enough. It's all you need. This is what God says. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. The writer of the scripture says, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. In other words, I was glad to what? I was glad to, to talk about my weaknesses, to not be ashamed of my weaknesses, to not see my weaknesses as the thing that disqualified me for communi- from community or love or acceptance. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap. I quit focusing on the thing that I thought made me worthless and, and unlovable. I quit focusing. And I began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weaknesses. Now, now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size. What, what limitations? The ones that you're facing in this room today, abuse, accidents, things that, man, I, how did it happen? It just, it just happened. It was an accident. Opposition, bad breaks. I never thought that I would be here. And here I am, and I'm ashamed because this wasn't supposed to be my life. I take all of these things and I take them in stride. What I do is I just let Christ take over. This is what the scripture says. And so the weaker I get, the more I identify that, man, I'm just not, I'm just not perfect. I'm just not as put together as I like to be. The more that I'm just honest and open and real with it, the stronger I become. God has the ability to work within me and bring me strength even in the midst of my weaknesses. I think we can all work at being better when it comes to the judgment of others. I think we're quick to to say that we don't judge. If we're really honest with ourselves, we do. This is the society that we live in. If you're somebody here today, you say, I want to be better at this. You know what I would say to you? Here's, here's the thing that we can do. If we want to overcome judgment in our society, is what we can do. We can work on having conversations. Work on having conversations. Rather than isolating, rather than separating, engage people that are different than you. Engage people that may not be in your normal social circle. Engage people that, that, that may just be silent. You may think that, well, they, they got to be good. They're always smiling. It seems like their life is really put together. Engage them in conversation. One of my favorite quotes is is this, that it's impossible to hate someone whose story you know. As you begin to have conversation, what happens? You begin to see your own humanity staring you straight in the face. As you begin to open up and, and to have compassion and to care and people begin to talk and you begin to talk, what you begin to realize is even though that we're different, we're really, we're actually the same. You have the same fears that I do. You have the same struggles that I do. Maybe we come from different backgrounds and different belief systems, but at our core, we are the same. Scripture says in the book of Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, one translation says this, so one man sharpens and influences another, how? Through discussion. We get stronger when we have conversation. 
there's someone here today and, and, and maybe your fear. Because I hope you understand this. There are people in this room, in, in this experience, right here in Clovis, right in Madeira, right in Fresno, in this space that are suicidal today. There are people in the space that are hurting and broken, struggling with eating disorders, whether, the, whether they're medicating through f- food or, or, or they, they, they see themselves constantly as overweight. And so in their mind, they have this mental stronghold. There's people here today that are going through divorces. They're going through legal battles. They're going through things that are tearing them up inside. And in each and every one of our environments, there are business owners that are just so overwhelmed by the financial status of their organization. And they don't know what to do, but we're not talking about it. And we come in and we smile really good and we look really pretty, but don't, don't, don't allow that to make you think that we're not broken. Don't allow that to make you think that everything is perfect just because we smile through the pain. And if we're here today and we want to get past our wounds, past these things that are, that are really holding us captive, if we want to create space in our lives for others to be able to make a difference, for me on the inside to be able to experience healing, I also have to be willing to have conversation for the person that is judging and for the person that is judged. If we want to overcome, we've got to be willing to talk to each other. Because the thing that you're going to find out, what well, you can't have conversations with everybody, what well, you can't bear your soul with everybody, you will never know until you begin to engage in dialogue. Here's the thing to, to, to remember about this, this fear of being judged. The risk of isolation always outweighs the risk of being judged. In your life, the risk you run when you isolate, the risk you run when you try to keep everything to yourself, the risk you run when you try to do, I can just do it with me and my family. I like my circle. I don't need no new friends. I, I, I'm good as is. The, the risk I run in isolation always outweighs this risk I run of being judged. I gotta be willing to take a risk. The second thing I think that we fear is this, is that we fear vulnerability. We fear vulnerability. What are you going to do with the information that I give you? If I open up and tell you what, I really, what I'm really going through, how are you going to see me? What are you going to do with the information? Because here's the thing about information, right? Information hurts and information heals. And sometimes we think that vulnerability is, is just telling everybody everything. Vulnerability is not just telling everybody everything because information, the information that, that you release to the world, which you think is just, I mean, it's just the purging of your soul, oftentimes can hurt more than it can heal. One, one of the, the most fascinating portions of scripture that I always struggle with for, for, the, for the longest time is found in James, and, and it kind of goes like this. This is what it says. It says, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your faults to one another. One one translation actually says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Well, a lot of times when when I would read this scripture, I thought this is saying, well, I need to go and and I need to go and I need to tell everybody everything, everything bad that I've ever done, right? I need to go and and some of you are thinking, please, some of you go to jail if you did that, right? Like if you went and actually told people some of the things that that you've done, it's like, dear God. And that's not really what this scripture is communicating, you see, we go, this, is, this is kind of the picture that, that, that Scripture paints. When we, we go to God, in our lives, we go to God for forgiveness. We go to God for forgiveness. When it comes to the deep, dark, deep, dark secrets that you have and the things that, there's certain things, that, man, you don't only just, I got to go to God, I need forgiveness. I, man, I need restoration. I go to God for forgiveness, but we go to each other for healing. That's what the scripture is talking about. In other words, when it talks about confess your faults, what it's talking about is, is being vulnerable about your humanity. 
Because in our lives, don't we try to act like everything is just okay? When I'm vulnerable about my humanity, when I'm vulnerable about the fact that I have struggles, when I'm vulnerable about the the fact that I've been through things and I haven't been perfect and my life just always hasn't been just a walk in the the park of of, of pretty flowers, that, that I've had some real situations that I've had to deal with. When I'm vulnerable, I create space for not just myself to be healed, but for others to experience healing. Why? Because we hear you've gone through that, I've gone through that. But we're we're really when we when we're vulnerable. When we're open, we're willing to, to just, just show that we're human, which we all technically already know. When I'm vulnerable, I create a space for healing. Hey, what, what am I talking about? Only way I know how, how to describe this is by giving you an example, okay? When I, was, when I was eight years old, I was at school one day, and... Uh, when I was at school one day, and this, this one day in particular, I was going to have to take, take the bus home or take the bus somewhere. And so I remember after school, I was, I was going to where the, the loading station where all, where all the buses were. And uh, there was like the sea of just, just elementary school students. I mean, I was only eight. And so as I came up to the sea of elementary school students, I mean, this is before, like, you know about, like, the popular crowd and the unpopular crowd. And so I recognized this one kid. Now I know he's part of the, the popular crowd, but he was just another kid in my class, Okay. And so I go running through this crowd of people. And as I go running through this crowd of people to catch up with this, with this guy that I thought was my friend that I recognized from my class, I end, up, I end up tripping over somebody's leg, okay? I trip over somebody's leg. As I do, I, I like propel myself. I fall onto this kid. It knocks him onto the floor. No big deal, right? But what, what would happen next would scar my soul forever, As I fell onto this kid, he shouts out of his mouth, get off me, faggot. He pushes me off of him. This this kid, this guy's a gay lord. And instantly, all of the kids around him, it was like a movie. Everybody just starts laughing. Everybody starts laughing. And he he stands up. And I'm I'm standing there as a kid. I was was coming to to, to catch up with a friend. And he says, you're a faggot. This, This faggot tried to kiss me. I said, no, I didn't. I tripped. I fell, and everybody's laughing. And the more they laughed, the more he shouted these words, these insults, these, these, these shameful things that he would say. As I left that time, that day, that moment, I, I realized that I didn't belong with the popular crowd. And throughout my entire school career, every time I would be constantly nagged about my sexuality, not because I liked guys, but because I was into music and theater, and uh, not cars and sports. Every time I would be asked the question, I mean, uh, uh, nagged almost daily about my sexuality, my mind would just go back to my little eight-year-old self outside of a bus stop, somebody shouting these words at me over and over again. You know, what's interesting is I've never verbally told that story to anybody. And it's not that I couldn't, because I had fantastic parents. I had, I had parents that would listen. I had friends that would listen. You know, I didn't because this is the society that we live in. We isolate. I don't know how I would say it, so I'm just going to keep it to myself. I've never in my life shared that story with anybody. Not my parents, not my friends, not my wife. I share it with you today to show you a picture of vulnerability, because here's what vulnerability does. Vulnerability makes everybody better. Because there's people in our locations today, one of two things. 
when I share that story, this is what you say to yourself. You went through that? Yeah. I went through that. You say to yourself, you, 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 you can associate. I went through a similar circumstance. I went through something like that. Or there's the second type of person. When I share a story like that, it makes you very uncomfortable. And that's good. It's good. Because it makes you come face to face with the reality that we face in the world around us. How long are we going to sleep through another suicide? How long are we going to sleep through another person dying because they're addicted to drugs? How long are we going to sleep while society around us is falling apart? When are we going to learn that it's going to take vulnerability? It's going to take openness. It's going to take us waking up and being uncomfortable. I just don't know if that type of terminology is appropriate for church. Are you kidding me? That's my story. And if you heard the offensive, racist, bigoted, sexist, chauvinistic words that are being littered out of our mouths every day and we don't even realize it, that's on television and in school system, we got to wake up. This stuff is real. We got to teach our kids that this isn't okay. We got to be vulnerable about talking about the situations that we've gone through. If we want to overcome our pain, if we want healing, we're going to have to learn. We're going to have to learn. It's not just sharing our dirt with everybody. If I want healing, I gotta be willing to show my humanity. Show that I'm not perfect. I have scars. You have scars. We have scars together. But if we want healing from the scars, we're gonna have to be vulnerable with each other. We're gonna have to quit acting like everything is okay and be open with one another. Sometimes I think we misunderstand vulnerability. There's things that in my life will just stay between me and God. Think that there's things in your life that you'll have that just stay between you and God. We talk about confessing our faults. It's not just like bearing all, telling all. It's being willing in our relationships to be uncomfortable, to be vulnerable for the sake of seeing healing in our lives. You know what vulnerability sometimes looks like? I don't think vulnerability is always just talking about our misdeeds. You know that vulnerability is sometimes saying sorry first? You know that vulnerability is sometimes being willing to say, I love you first. You know, vulnerability is sometimes dad as you're riding along with your son in the car, just telling him that you love him, even though your dad never did that for you. And it makes you really uncomfortable. And I don't know how I'm going to say it. It makes my throat just swell up even to think of the words. You know, vulnerability sometimes looks like asking your spouse, hey, how, how, can, we, can we pray together? I know we've never done that. You know, vulnerability sometimes looks like stopping in the grocery store and in the lobby and having a genuine conversation with somebody, not knowing how they will respond to you, to say, hey, how are you doing? You know, vulnerability sometimes looks like being willing in our lives not just to magnify the negative, but being willing to be thankful. To tell people, you know what vulnerability sometimes looks like? Being willing to stop, being willing to stop what you're doing and tell somebody how they've made a difference in your life. Thanking them for the impact that they've, they've made. That's what vulnerability sometimes looks like. You want healing in your life? We've got to be willing to be vulnerable. Sometimes there's, there's things that we, we see it at funerals, right? It's like those are the times that everybody says, well, I wish that they, I would have told them. I wish that they would have known. Sometimes vulnerability looks like, Dad, thank you for the times in my life where I was living like the devil I remember one time sitting in my bedroom telling you and mom and dad, you, you and mom, that I wanted, wanted you guys to have nothing to do with my life. And I remember you crying. And I remember I can almost see the image in my mind. You just crying. And you said out of your words, I don't know where my son is, but I love you. 
I remember I was stone cold. I looked you straight in the face and not a tear came from my eye. But that image is lodged in my soul and it's changed my life because I know that no matter what I go through, that you love me and that you're there for me and you've made a difference in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes vulnerability looks like that. Sometimes vulnerability is Anthony Favila. In my life, and I remember one of my darkest times. Anthony's one of those guys that can annoy the heck out of you because he'll come and give you like a million backpats and he's like, hey, what's up, bro? And like that kind of thing. Please, but here's what it would Please don't ever stop. Because there was one time, Ant, in my life, I was at, I was at rock, rock bottom. And you didn't know it. And I remember pulling into a parking lot of our old Fresno campus and hopping out of my car. And I remember you throwing your arms around me. And I remember you hugging me. And I remember in that moment, you had no idea what I was going through. But you showed me. You changed my life. You showed me just how much a personal touch means. Karina, when your husband died, and you could have given up on God, you had every reason to. I was surrounded with you and your family. I remember walking through that storm with you. And you did nothing but square your shoulders. And out of your mouth, time and time again, you would say, God is good. God is good. God is good. And you changed my life. Every time I go through a storm, I'm reminded that no matter what I see, my God is good. Sometimes vulnerability looks like being willing to say thank you. Thank you for making a difference in my life. You didn't know. You didn't know what I was going through. Being willing to be open. Why? So that we can see an end. I'm so passionate about this. See an end to the hurts that keep us up at night. The things that make us feel alone and isolated. To the addicted. To the abused. To the broken. To the alone. To the person that feels like there's no hope. There's hope. I want to see us pull together. I want to see us overcome. I want us to see that the healing that we need is found in conversation and it's found in interacting and immersing ourselves in community with one another. We need God, but we need each other. We need God, but we need each other. I want to close with this scripture today, the book of Romans. We kind of wrap up this, this series. It's kind of like a reminder, I think, to all of us. Scripture says this, those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And not just do what is most convenient for us. As the scripture says, strength is for service, not status. When I'm strong, it's, it's <laughs> when I, strength is for service, not status. When I'm strong in my life, it's so that I can help the weak. Not so I can say that I'm better than the weak. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us. That's what the Bible said. Asking ourselves this question, and I hope we leave you with this. How can I help? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles. <laughs> but he waited right in and helped out. That's what he said. I took on the troubles of the troubled is the way scripture puts it. And even if it was written in scripture long ago, 
you can be sure that it is written for us. Can we stand together? One more time, at all of our locations, I'm going to ask us to do the same thing that we did last week. I'm going to ask you to join hands with the person next to you. If we could, at whatever campus it is possible, we can kind of just span across the, the aisles even. Just as a picture of, of unification, just as a picture of us taking the time to sober up, to shake ourselves and say, okay, I got to shake myself of my slumber. I got to shake myself of just routine. I got to shake myself that uh, the, 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 the thing that causes me to be blind to the hurt and the pain of those around me. And I have to realize that each and every one of us possesses a gift from God. And it looks a little bit different, but it's all rooted in the same great, great gift. And it's the ability to love the people around you. Do not underestimate the power of your influence. Do not underestimate the power of the thing that God has gifted and graced you to do. Maybe it's that to be that person that just is always loving on people and patting them on the back. And hey, God loves you. I love you. Good to see you. Maybe you're the type of person that, that maybe you don't do good in groups, but you have good in one-on-one -on -one conversation. You can never pick up a microphone and talk in front of a group of people. But don't underestimate that the way that God has gifted you is the way that God has graced you to use your life to make a difference in the world around you. For those of you that are hurting and broken today, would you hear me? You're not alone. You're not alone. We're all hurting. We're all broken. We're all going through it in our own way. And the only way that we're going to be over, be able to overcome these, these demons that we face and be able to overcome these pains that we're encountering is to be able to open our mouths and have a conversation, open our hands and join them with each other, open our arms and embrace each other. We're going to have to come together. So today with our hands joined one more time, I want to take a moment and just ask God that he would take this moment and, and, and allow it to transcend so much more than a moment to bring us together in our hearts, on a heart level. God, we ask that you would help us to see even clearer today our need for one another, the way that you want to bring healing even to our own personal lives by willing to, to not be afraid of judgment, to not be afraid of vulnerability, to know that the risk of isolation and the risk of doing life alone is far greater. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.